All these questions and more will be answered on our layers episode. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 61 with me as always, Jess Dunks. Hey everybody, this is Jess from California. Also, Brian Verlman. For the swarm! <laughs> I, I beat that game in a so, weekend. So for those of you just joining us uh, who, who don't listen to a lot of JudgeCast, CJ and Brian are on this giant StarCraft kick and Brian wants to make it ZergCast. Yes. So uh, there may be some StarCraft references. <laughs> I'm, I'm Brian Prilliman, level two uh, Hydralisk from Zer- from the planet Char. From the planet Char. From the planet Char. Technically, nice. the Zerg are from Zerus, but I mean Char's where Char's where have, the Overmind was created, but they're from Zerus. I have a su- I have a summer home on Char that I c- it's my home away from home. Summer all on the Char little, is all the little banelings. <laughs> Just run around in the backyard. It's really cute. You should come out. I'm sitting in the back, sipping some sweet tea. Lava flows <laughs> next to you. Lava flows. Yeah, the 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 mutalisks fly overhead. It's really beautiful. Well, except for that last part, it's like parts of Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> oh, say, we got some news. We have two new level threes. Uh oh. First, we have Emilian Wild from Belgium. Congrats. Yes. Emilian Wild. Yep. I met him at a, a PT Philly uh, about a year, year and mm-hmm. a half ago. Uh, he was uh, well, I pretty was there cool. too, so maybe I met him. No, I only have, I I've, met him. I just want to say I've, I've given the, I want to give this guy a million congratulations. Eh, eh, eh. Also, speaking of guys that I met at Pro Tour Philly but forgot about, Jeremy Bahunin is now level three. And he congratulations, is, Jeremy. I have met yeah, Jeremy, and he's been on the show. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. So congratulations to both these guys. Lord Joffrey. Lord Joffrey. The level three. Lord Joffrey. Hello. Yes. Jeremy, you're still the same donkey you were last week. Don't let it go to your head. He hasn't yet. So there comes a time in every, you know, when a judge gets into like an educational role, like I, we are allegedly in, there comes a time when they need to really explain how to appropriately do a Zerg rush. So you want to get that spawning pool out at like the seventh drone, not the sixth drone, not the eighth drone. <laughs> there comes a time when you have to explain the layers to somebody. Dun, dun, dun. And that time has come for Judge Cast. So the way we're going to proceed with this is we're going to have this show, which is geared towards level zeros and level ones. We're going to try to cover the information about layers, uh, including what is a layer, if you don't know what I'm talking about right now, during this show. And then in the next show, we intend to cover all the level two and up stuff that you might need to know about layers, all the fun, crazy things that can happen, the whole humility and opalescence. This this episode, we're going to lay the primer down. And then next episode, we're going to come out and lay the super high gloss finish, crazy stuff involving uh, uh your painting uh, joke is a little deep there <laughs> you're you're going a little far for it like <laughs> layers of paint it's, it's cute but hey, brian do you, do you know what a uh, zerg hatchery evolves into what does a zerg is there, is there a joke coming it's a up? layer i tied oh! it all in <laughs> oh okay i was like that's good so I am applying Beyond the, uh, you, the second generation of the hatchery, can you guys tell me what a layer is? Like, I'm looking at the comp rules here, and I don't see layers anywhere. So a layer is actually, it's something that we use to determine how continuous effects deal with each other. 
A what? what? Uh, so a continuous effect. So a continuous effect, well, the comparable definition for a continuous effect is a little excessive, in my opinion. Uh, so the definition is anything that modifies characteristics of objects, modifies control of objects, or affects objects or the rules of the game for a fixed or indefinite period. Oh. A better way no, to We don't even need to go on with the, the episode now. I mean, that covers it. Done. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Clear. Yeah. No, like, so, so, here's, so here's what that actually means. It means anything that modifies stuff in the game for any amount of time is a continuous effect. So things like giant growth, which gives plus three, plus three until end of turn, that's a continuous effect. Things like mind control that give, uh, that, that let you control the enchanted creature. Things like, uh, I don't know if you guys remember Prismatic Gomen that makes lands you control every basic land type in addition to the other types. These are things that affect stuff in the game for an amount of time. That's just, it's a continuous effect. And the layers are the way which we decide how those interact with each other. Okay. Seems good. Now, so the layers are, do you want to, do you want to just go ahead and just spill out what the layers are and then we can discuss like how they're interacting when they're checked and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Seems great. So the layers are all copy effects and we're just going to name them real quick. They're copy effect, copy, control, control changing effects, text effects that actually say blah, uh, change text of A to text of B, type, you know, the changes, this is now a creature, or this is now a zombie, uh, color, you're blue. That would be, um, so abilities, uh, things that give or take away abilities. This now has flying, this loses all abilities, this gains trample. Uh, and then power and toughness, which is broken down into five other layers, which we will talk about in a little bit later. Before so, we get started with that, though, how do you guys remember the power and toughness layers? Like, what did you guys, did you guys memorize, memorize them straight through, or did you have some kind of acronym, or what did uh, you do? For power and toughness? For, no, just layers in general. I just remember, I just remember them straight through. Uh, yeah, I just remember. I've, I've had a few people talk about different ways that they've tried to remember layers some people my personal favorite is cool cats take the catnip and purr <laughs> uh, since you have copy control text type color abilities power so cool cats take that and purr all sorts of the same letters cool cats take i mean you still got to remember that copy comes before control and text comes before type but well the other one that, that i've seen people uh use Ooh. is cops and cons in texas type colorful alibis with power wow. yeah that was wow. a little deep uh <laughs> Cool cops. No, not cool. Cops and cops and cons. Cops so and cons. copy control in text says for text. Okay. Type, type colorful alibis, which goes with abilities with power. Wow. I I, I just anyway. remembered C C T T cap, and then uh, I used to have troubles with copy and control, but uh, I can't remember who explained it to me. But they they the way they said they remembered it was it kind of sounds like somebody's on a radio and they're like copy control copy. Yeah, which actually goes with the Starcraft theme because if you remember, I think that's one of the things the Goliath said in the original Does Starcraft. He? Copy control. <laughs> copy control. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you know, the magic card spawning pool is directly based off of, or the uh, the thing in the Starcraft. No, wait. <laughs> the magic card what? named spawning pool is based off of the, the building in Starcraft. If is you look at now? the picture of it, it looks like the exact same thing. Well, are you stating that because you know that for a fact, or are you stating that just because you think it's true? I don't remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't remember if that's something I learned or something I always thought, and now just it looks just like a spawning pool. 
<laughs> I've told the lie to myself yeah. so many times I can't tell. I if legitimately it's true don't remember anymore. It's, like, it's also why he thinks people like him. Kind of, like, kind of like a spawning pool, but I guess spawning pool kind of looks like spawning for <laughs> sure. People like me. People like me. People, if I keep saying it, maybe they will. All right. All right. So how many years so we have been saying that? I don't know, CJ. How old are you? <laughs> So anyway, so layers, when are they checked? Like when do, like we've got we've got characteristic, uh, not characteristic. We've got uh, 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 state based actions that are checked before players receive priority. We've got triggers go on the stack here. So layers get checked. When do layers get checked? So we've said in the past that characteristic defining abilities are um, constantly updated. They don't need priority. They don't you know, they're not a state based action. So like uh, like my Tarmogoy for my guys. Yes. Have power and toughness thing, and it changes constantly. Yes, it's changing constantly, and uh, they actually sure. all fall under the layer system. They are all a continuous effect. Yes. So, so by the same token, all layers are always checked. They're always updated as new things happen, but they don't need priority. They don't need state-based actions to happen. They don't need. I don't. They don't use the stack. Nope. Anytime the game needs to know anything about one of the layers, you just run through the layers. Anything about anything, run through the layers. So, so let's let's create an example of this real quick, um, so that people know what we're talking about with continuous effects that interact with each other. So, like, let's say I control a darkest hour, which makes all my creatures black. A glory seeker, which is a two-two creature with no abilities, and a bad moon that says black creatures get plus one plus one. Glory seeker's white, for the record. So like, it's it's pretty intuitive that if I control all three of these permanents, it doesn't matter what order they come into play. The glory seeker is a three-three because darkest hour is making it black, and bad moon's giving black creatures plus one plus one, right? right? But the reason that this works is because the layers force all of these effects to apply in the correct order. It's like if you're a math guy, you'll get this. If you're not, you won't get this. It's like order of operations for for continuous effects. Because if we were to apply them in the order they all came into play, we could end up with this really awkward situation where Glory Seeker's black, but it's not getting plus one, plus one, because Bad Moon applies before Darkest Hour. It's really weird right. stuff. So, so you do. So the way you apply layers is well. Let's 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 talk about let's talk about some more intuitive examples and and then just see how what the results are. And you and a lot of you listeners, you should kind of get it uh, as as far as how it works out. So, so like there are a ton of intuitive examples and I want to make this abundantly clear. The reason there are a ton of intuitive examples is because you're using layers all the time. The point of layers is to make the game work the way the game is supposed to work. Like we always hear about these complicated situations with layers or how bad layers are or whatever else, but you actually use them constantly. You just don't know. it. So like they're most, the 99% of the time layers work very intuitive. Don't be, don't be scared. <laughs> So, so a lot of these intu intuitive examples we're going to go through are where we have an effect at one layer and an effect in another layer, okay? And we'll talk a little bit later about when we have two effects within the same layer, okay? But for right now, like like the example, we had Bad Moon. So I have a Wild Mongrel out, which is a creature that uh, uh, I think if you discard a card, it gets like plus one, plus one, and you can change its color. Okay, yeah, that's right. Right, okay. So I discard a card and make it white. And I've also got an Honor of the Pure, okay, which says white creatures you control get plus one, plus one. So Wild Mongrel becomes white, 
uh, making and it becomes a 3-3. I play Honor of the Pure. It's white. It goes up to 4-4. And it doesn't matter which order I do that in. It's it is it's a white creature. It gets plus one, plus one, right? So it doesn't matter whether the Honor of the Pure was down beforehand or after. We just know that it's going to get the plus one, plus one when it becomes white. Right. And that's because okay. uh, I think we said this, but you you check the layers. You start from the beginning layer, copy, and you just apply them one at a time. You don't you don't look back in time. Well, it just it just feels right yes. right it's like my it's a white creature my white creatures get plus one plus one yes. okay the fact that it started out green and then became white well it's white now so it gets the plus one plus one if it stops being white it loses it it becomes white again it gets it again seems obvious and, but the reason it works that way and doesn't just go in the order of it's because of layers right so now, yay layers three cheers for layers they're awesome. Yep. So you you um, another example would be we all know Tarmogoyf, right? Big bad Tarmogoyf. We've got uh, one of one of every creature in the great or one of every uh, card type in the graveyard. So what is it like an eight nine? Or uh, well nine if you don't include the card types that you can't have in graveyards. Yeah, like I was, I was sitting here like okay. <laughs> <laughs> is it well? What about tribal? How many how many are there? Anyway, it's big. Let's say it's a four five because I've got a bunch. Of permanence, maybe like an instant or something. Um, and then I hit it with a diminish. Diminish says target creature becomes a 1 1. Okay. So I have an ability that says its power and toughness is uh, 4 or 5. I have an ability that says it's a 1 1. Well, you kind of know that it's a 1 1. Right. Okay. Well, we have a layer that's that for the, the ability on the Tarmogoyf. And in a different layer, when we talk about power and toughness, making it a 1 1. It's intuitive. It's now a 1 1. Right. Okay. So before I, I, I was going to say before we go much further into these intuitive examples, I think I think we should go deeper into the actual layers. I think I was going to mention CDAs first because we haven't actually talked about it. it we mentioned it, we haven't explained yes. it. Characteristic defining abilities. No matter what we're doing with layers, no matter how we're applying any effective layers, characteristic ability defining abilities are always applied first. Within so, within, within a layer, yeah, within that layer. So like. I just wanted to mention that because we've already mentioned some characteristic defining abilities and examples with them. So like Changeling Berserker has a characteristic defining ability. It's it's well, all the changelings do actually. Do we want to do we want to just do we want to just go? I mean, go back through the layers in a little bit more detail and then talk about the. Well, uh, I, I wanted to like before we went into the layers, I was going to talk about. Uh, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. I was going to talk about characteristic defining abilities and then timestamps. We had a script, guys, and then I kind of yes, you did from it a, a little bit. And- falling apart from there sorry this is just um, like so like, let's get back on track then. this Where is just like at? when kerrigan went to that planet to help out minx and minx left her there and that's how she even became the queen of blades they it they is, had a plan it, he wrecked it he didn't abandon her because he wasn't even there like he got she got left behind by a uh, minx yeah that's what i said minx abandoned her that's what he that's what he yeah, said. said i thought you said uh uh he didn't say right minx oh sorry didn't say man that. i know I'm all right sorry. Raider, Raider, got, Raider got super pissed off. All that was just to buy time for Jess to whatever. And then he got in on the conversation. Yeah, <laughs> so anyway, so where where uh So you want to talk CDAs? Uh, well I was gonna I was just gonna bring up CDAs and timestamps, that's all. And then we went somewhere else with that, sorry. Just because within within an individual layer, 
you apply a CDA and then you apply the rest of the effects in timestamp order. And then the rest of the time you apply layers in the layer order that we've described. So that's all I was going to say. I'll leave it alone from there. So, so in it, well, let's just, let's just give an example. So I've got a characteristic defining ability like. Yes. A, so, oh yeah, Tarmogoyf, sure. Okay. So Tarmogoyf says my, is a characteristic defining ability. It's on the card. It says my power and toughness is this based on this other criteria. Right. Okay. Normally, the other things that can have characteristic defining abilities are color and type. Like changeling is a characteristic defining ability. It's saying I am all creature types. Um, there's not too many color characteristic defining abilities that are sold out. Okay. So character um, defining so, abilities are always applied first. Yeah, and, and there's also uh, anything that they're not always on the card. It, a token can have characteristic defining ability as well if it's granted at the creation of the token. Yeah. Then, so once you once you do that, then you look at the other stuff. Okay. Like, so Tarmogoyf has characteristic defining ability. You apply that first. Then we look at if we had another ability uh, in a let's let's do let's. Well, do you want to just talk about power and toughness now since we're already getting into it? Okay. So we're going to talk about the power and toughness layers. There's there's five sub-layers for power and toughness. So you run through all the other ones. Power and toughness is dead last, and it's broken up into five. Yeah, and, and I want to mention just real quick that we're talking about power and toughness first, even though it's the final layer, because it really, we feel, is intuitive and kind of hammers home the whole a lot of the concept of layers that we'll talk about when we get back to the other layers. But yeah. Also... Almost all the layers questions you'll get on your level one test are in the power also true. Of the sub layers. Yes. So maybe a little bit in the type changing stuff, but so the first or the 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 first sub layer seven A for power and toughness is characteristic defining abilities. Power and toughness layers are broken out into five things because really the most stuff gets done with power and toughness. So that's why it gets it it gets broken up into into five sub layers. So the first one is characteristic defining abilities. The prime example of that is our Tarmogoyf. Or if you want to go like real old school, like Keldon Warlord for all of us alpha old farts Why out not there. New school like lumber, not lumber, not the the thing, you know, the thing. What's that? What's that crusader that has like power and toughness equal to the number of creatures you have? Crusader uh, of Aldrich, the one I think? from M13. It's like the, the M13 lady that looks like she's from Innistrad block, but is really an M13. Yeah, Crusader of Aldrich. Yeah. 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 Is that it? Mm. Okay, sure. We'll, we'll say that. Um, that's a characteristic defining ability. So when talking, when thinking about power and toughness, you apply that first. Okay. The next layer is things that set power and toughness to a specific value. In our, in our, you know, obvious examples, diminish target creatures one one. An effect that says, hey, this creature's a zero two. Hey, this creature is a three three. Those are all effects that set the power and toughness to a specific value. Okay. The next layer is things that modify the power and toughness. Nameless inversion, giant growth, blood rush stuff. Those are all uh, uh, effects that change a creature's power and toughness. I like that you said old-ass nameless inversion before you said giant growth. Oh, old-ass nameless yeah. inversion? How old is I mean, that's like that's Loran block, so that's yeah. pretty old. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wow. I mean, you, you talk about Loran block cards, you're like, oh, hey, that's what I got back into Magic, Brian. Thanks. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> and that was like just like a year ago or something, no, right? That's, it's old. Yeah. I came back and said Blood Rush, yeah. though. I got, I got back in there with the new stuff. I mean, that was when I like I had just gotten into the military when Laurel came out, and I've been out of the military for a couple of years now. So, jeez. <laughs> yeah, and, and to be clear, when you say modify, there you mean basically add or subtract. 
Yeah, add or subtract. Like, and that's and that's actually why I did nameless inversion because it did both the plus three on the front and the minus three on the back. So it actually covered, you know, anything. Uh, mutilate, right? All creatures get minus X, minus X, equal to the number of swamps. That's something that modifies the power and toughness. Mm-hmm. So if we just look at if we just look at something like that, let's let's look at just those three. So I have my my Tarmogoyf that's a four five. Okay, I hit it with a diminish becomes a 1-1, one, one, and then I hit it with a giant growth. It's a 4-4. Four, four. Okay, so so now it just so happens that I cast those spells in the same order as the layers are. Right, so I and we can even go further with a burst of strength. Whoa. A burst of strength. Give it a counter. Okay, yeah, that's the right. next yeah. one. Right. We're going to hit it with burst of strength, and we're going to do the counter. So so we start with, so we did those spells in that order. We had a Tarmogoyf, we hit it with Diminish, it resolves, hit it with Giant Growth, it resolves, hit it with Burst of Strength, it resolves, now we have a 5-5, five, five, right? Burst of Strength is just the 1 yep. plus 1 plus 1 counter? Yeah. Okay. Now, the great thing about layers is you can now mix all that stuff up. Well, not the Tarmogoyf's characteristic <laughs> defining ability, you can't really do but I can, I can do Burst of Strength, and let's reverse the order. I do Burst of Strength, then Giant Growth, then Diminish, okay? So I cast them. Um, uh, I cast them, and so what would happen is my four or five Tarmogoyf. If we applied them in order of casting, okay, I would get my Tarmogoyf would get the plus one plus one counter. So now it's a five six. The giant growth comes in. It becomes an eight nine, and then the diminish hits, and it goes back to being a one one. It's like, uh, <laughs> no, you don't actually because all of those effects are in different layers. Even though I cast them in different orders, I still apply them in the layer order. So I look at characteristic defining ability of the Tarmogoyf there. Now what's next? Anything that sets the power and toughness, that's the diminish. It doesn't matter when the diminish was cast. We handle it first. But judge, but judge, the diminish lasts until end of turn, and that already happened. That's, that's, that's like, didn't it already happen? What? <laughs> I don't get it. No, like, that's the question I get. Like, the point, the point I'm trying to make is that it's a continuous effect. Let's not forget that. That it's okay. continuing on, and they're all continuing to apply the entire time. Right, right. So, so the diminish, so the diminish gets applied whether the giant growth is cast before it, whether the the uh, was it the surge of strength was cast. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what order they were cast in because the diminish is the next layer we apply it. Okay. So now my Tarmogoyf is a 1 1. Now I go to the next layer. It's like, okay, is there anything in the next layer? That layer is modifying plus or minus to power and toughness. Hey, I got a giant growth. Let's apply the giant growth. It's now a 4 4. Then I've got uh, the next layer is counters. Let's put a counter. Uh, let's let's confirm that the counter's on it. Okay, and let's add that counter into the power and toughness. So I've now got a five-five. Now the last layer in power and toughness is a favorite of judges to just make weird things happen. Yeah. It power and toughness swapping. Okay, so you reverse. Now, in this particular example, anything that switches that power and toughness isn't particularly exciting because it's a 5 5. So we switch the power and toughness, woo, 5 5. But yeah, so you figure all that stuff out. And then if you have anything that switches the creature's power and toughness, once you're done with everything else, switch, switch, swap these on the power and toughness. Yeah, so you look at that, that um, final result and just swap yeah. it. And, and really, it's kind of got to be that way because. 
it doesn't really make sense to swap power and toughness in the middle anywhere. So you really either got to do it at the very, very beginning or the very, very end. And it, it used very, to be the beginning. Uh, like a long time ago, like when layers were a first a thing, like I'm pretty sure at some point it wasn't at the end. And that was terrible. I like, don't it's Being at the end is definitely best. It seems really awkward. Plus, you've got all these cards that say stuff like all the really old cards that switch power and toughness say things like effects <laughs> that, you know, effects that change the power uh, affect the toughness instead and things that affect the toughness affect the power instead. And it's just like, uh, so, so yeah, so that's, that is running through uh, the power and toughness stuff. Now we, we, we threw out there just like one example of each. Again, it doesn't matter the order the spells were cast, provided that they are in different layers. Now, if they're in the same layer, let's say I have uh, our diminish effect and that makes the creature a 1-1, one, one, and I have a, we'll say, not-so-diminish effect that makes a creature a 3-3, three, three, okay? That does, uh, when you have two effects within the same layer, okay, you apply them in timestamp order. So in this particular case, I have my Tarmogoyf, I hit it with a diminish, and then I hit it with the not-so-diminish, okay? The end result is a 3-3. Three, three. We apply the, 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 the diminish first, and then the not-so-diminish second. So I make it a 1-1, one, one, then I make it a 3-3. Three, three. If I reverse the order that the spells were cast in, becomes a three three and then a one one. So let's let's talk about timestamps for just a second. Okay. What when do they when how do you know what something's timestamp is? So for your examples, obviously it's it's when the spells resolved, right? That's that's pretty easy. What about equipment that's equipped to something? You know. So for um, for objects like uh, equipment and enchantments, or, or I should say auras, actually, um, whenever they become attached to a permanent, then they're they re reset their timestamp. Okay, and what about? So they right. they get a. No, uh, I was going to say, and then what about something that um, enters the battlefield? So not an instant or sorcery like we've been talking about, but a creature that gives all elves plus one plus one. Timestamps when it enters okay. the battlefield. Yep. So basically, the time the timestamp is when it first starts to affect things, which is if it's a spell or effect, it's when it's or if it's a spell, it's when the spell resolves and sets up the effect. If it's on a permanent, like a static ability, it's when the permanent enters the battlefield. If it's a, a an aura or an equipment, it's when it gets attached. Okay, that's all I wanted to hear. All right. So so hopefully that runs through the power and toughness, and you can see that uh, when you have stuff in the same layer, you use timestamp. And when you have stuff in different layers, you just run through the layers in order. Okay. And then that's that's a real now that's that sounds like a lot, but again, it's really intuitive as long as you don't have a lot of crazy stuff going on. But because that order works, you know, at each level, you know, you process each thing at each level, and then within a level, within a layer, you have a way of handling stuff that, you know, competing things within the same layer. You can handle these crazy, crazy complicated cases that we'll handle next, next episode or when we do the level two. Yes. So I feel like for completeness sake, there is a situation where timestamps do not apply and that's called dependencies. But I think for this episode, we should say that that's very rare. That will never come up on a level one test. And to be 100% honest, I don't think it comes up on level two tests that often, if at all. I mean, dependencies are, dependencies are almost always intuitive. Anyway. Yeah, they do. They give it an, so, de- an like, intuitive result. That, but we'll talk about those next episode. Yeah, yeah. So, so don't worry about dependencies. Nine times out of ten, you're doing it right already. So, like, just don't worry about so, it. We'll talk about it I next wanted time. to give an example yeah. of the power and toughness switching just because I think power and toughness switching is the only one that gets a result that may not be defined as intuitive. So, okay. say— 
Yeah, sure, sure. So like, so like, if you have a Dune Traveler and you bar the door, you give it plus zero plus four, and you have uh, something. What's a card that switches power? I don't know. This? We'll just pretend. Uh, inside out. Sure. So you inside out it. Then also clear. from Shadowmore Block because <laughs> it's jeez. <laughs> Um, so you you switch his power to have this clearly and intuitively it becomes a four or a five one right. right but but what we don't what's not so intuitive is that if I cast if while it's still a one one before I do anything to it if I just have a one one doom traveler and I cast inside out on it well nothing happens because it was already a one one but then if I cast far the door it still becomes a 5-1 creature because the power of toughness is switched and we're still applying that effect until the end of turn. Yep, exactly. And that, that's exactly what I want to get at. So once again, just apply the layers in order. That's all you have to do. Like layers really aren't difficult once you start to break down the effects into which layer they apply in and just apply them in order. And, and if there's a conflict in a layer, you just do timestamps. It's really not that difficult. So so one of the, one of the, the tr- tr- tricks that uh, I learned how to deal with layers is... You write down all the layers, all of them. Yeah. Okay. When you when you're confronted with a question or a problem, you write down all the layers. Then you look at all the cards and you start with the first layer. Okay. And you go, are there any are there any effects that affect this layer? No. Okay. Are there any effects that affect this? You know, the next layer. Are there any effects that affect this layer? And whenever you hit yes, you write it down on that layer, like on a line. You just say this. And then if there's more than one, you just write them left to right in timestamp order. And then you apply them left to right in timestamp order. Then you go to the next layer and the next one and the next one. And you just basically write them down. And after a while, you're going to start to see, you know, you're, you're, you're going to basically start to learn them and start to understand them just because you're forcing yourself to, to almost create this grid. And it allows you to do the super complicated stuff, too. Yeah, I agree. And now, if you have another judge to consult with, don't do that whole process for a live call <laughs> on the floor of the event, right. though, because that, that could take a little while. No, so no, like, no, no. You just flip over the results slip. <laughs> make a little grid. Make a little grid and just start writing stuff down. And uh, But, yeah, you're, you're probably not going to run into too many often situations or too many situations where you have like three type changing effects and four power and toughness changing effects and a dependency here and all that craziness. You know, most of the time it's going to be two or three interactions tops right. and that kind of stuff you can do in your head. It's, it's only when you're, it's only when you're playing against like, Sean Cantonese's Judge Breaker deck, where you just like, really? Okay, hold on. Let me see what's going on. March of the Machines, Mycosynth Lattice, blah, blah, blah. So that's actually the sound. Yeah, you just go, why? This is this is not magic. This is math. <laughs> I hate that. Uh, all right. So you guys want to go over the layers now? Do we feel good about power and toughness? I do. I feel like I have uh, just power overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jess, I wouldn't have brought up StarCraft once if you hadn't opened the show like that, saying I would. That was a self-fulfilling, uh, self-fulfilling destiny. Uh, okay. Uh, self-fulfilling there prophecy, we go. I think is what you're looking for. Um, sure. I mean, if you wanted to do that, I can just, I'll sit here, I'll, I'll breathe deep and everything will be fine. Are you trying to catch some ire? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's, let's start with, please tell me you set me up for that. Please tell me you set me up for that. I did. (laughs) Thank you. Also breathe deep is another cheat code. Oh, I don't remember that. It's. Uh, breathe deep. What's mine is mine. They're both resource cheat codes oh. for best mean gaps. And uh, yeah, anyway. Who knows so, cheat codes? What are you, 
I know all the cheat codes from the original StarCraft. It's kind of scary. <laughs> I did at one time, but definitely not now. Black Sheep Wall is one of them, right? Black Sheep Black, Black Sheep Wall uh, is, I think, the one that removes Fog of War. Operation Seawall speeds up your unit production. Wall is created by uh, a color-changing effect and two type-changing oh, effects. Huh? Black yes. Sheep all right. Wall. Yes. So let's start with the copy layer, which is layer okay. one. Uh, we are not going to go super deep into copy because we had an episode that went into just everything you could ever need to know about copy effects. Uh, that was episode number 53. We'll definitely have a link to it in the show notes but obviously the copy layer is where anything that copies something else goes and those are pretty easy to spot i feel because they always use the word copy this the only thing the only thing i want to point out here uh just for ease of reference is face down status applies after copy effects in this layer so like if you have a face down or morphed creature and you copy it it's still a face down morphed creature you you don't you don't it's not it doesn't suddenly become a face up version of that even though it's face down like it's still just face down at two two even though it's copying yeah. the creature does that make sense and okay. so the other the other thing I want to I want to bring up because it took me a while to get my head around it and this might be a little more advanced than we want to get right now but if you have something like Lazav the Mirror Mastermind. Uh, which he reads, whenever a creature card is put into opponent's graveyard from anywhere, you may have Lazav Demir Mastermind become a copy of that card, except its name is still Lazav Demir Mastermind. It's still legendary in addition to its other types, and it gains hexproof in this ability. Uh, I could see where someone might think that the fact that it retains its name or that it, you know, it's still legendary could be a type changing effect, but that is not the case. It, all of that still applies in the copy effect. Basically, right. So all that is is a, it's an exception. Yeah. Right. It's saying good copy except this. So it doesn't apply in the later layers. It's still part of that one. Copy yeah, it's saying that. it's a copy of this guy, except these things aren't being copied. Yes. Now, here is a here's a subtle timestamp thing with copy. So Lazav becomes a copy and gains the copy ability. Then something else goes to the graveyard and it becomes a copy of that. OK, well, the original copy effect is actually still there. As is, like, if it's changed, like, four or five or six times, each of those copy effects are actually still there. But when you look at timestamp, you know, you apply them each in order. It becomes a copy, then it becomes a copy, then it becomes a copy, then it becomes a copy. And since each one kind of keeps overriding or, or, or trumping all the previous ones, it ends up being the last thing. Okay. But they're still all applied in timestamp order. Right. It's just the last, in that particular case, the last one wins. So you really just, you know, from a from a real standpoint, you just go, what's the last one? That? Okay, that's what it is. And you don't have to mess with any of those other ones because you know they get trumped. Uh, it's not always, always the case when we get into to other layers, but... Or, or other examples that like let you keep things a certain way, but we'll talk about that in next. <laughs> so maybe if the I next layer, yeah, exactly. The next layer is uh, control, which is also another pretty easy one to spot when when it is something applies in the control layer because it is giving gains. Yeah, control. it's giving you control of something like a what is it a dark archon. <laughs> Yes, like a Dark Archon or an Infestor. Mind control. Yeah, so spells like control magic, things like that. Uh, and those are also, you know, when you look at within the same layer, you have timestamps. 
So if I mind control your dude and you mind control it back, we have two effects that are both in the same layer trying to change control of an object. Okay, we apply the first, then we apply the second in timestamp order. The second one happens to be mine, and I get, you know, last one, yep. last one wins. And, and similar to that, if I gain control of your creature until end of turn, and then while I have him use, you know, some some effect that just gives me permanent control of him. Uh, what was it? It was like, it's like a goblin that gives you control of target. Anyway, I use him to gain permanent control of the creature. Well, that until end to turn effect is still going to end, but it has the earlier timestamp and it has no bearing on the other control effect. So the other control effect that's giving me permanent control still always applies, even though the other one, the until end to turn one is ending. All right, next. I was going to say we, say we don't see this layer as much, except we just did in a big way. So that's text. You guys got some examples about text? Uh, well, I'm actually, I'm looking it up on the computer, but, it, but it's loading right now. It might even uh, say is, overloading. <laughs> what did I say? Oh, you. This is so bad. I approve. I yeah. so approve. Um, mind bend is a card that changes text. <laughs> Or you could have just taken the gift just just given you and said overload is a recent yeah. <laughs> example because overload is a text changing effect because it changes the word target to uh, for each. Yes, in a spell. So when you overload a spell, it's it's actually changing the text of the spell. Right. And but a mind bend is actually an important one to bring up since uh, it changes things to color words or, or land types. And it can only change those things in the context of them being used in the magic rules. For example, uh, and this is one CJ brought up earlier that I thought was awesome. You can't mind bend your black knight into a white knight. Right, exactly. You can you can only change the text in the in the uh, rule box. It's basically all it says. So you also can't change your island fish Jaconis to plains fish Jaconis. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly right, right. so yeah i think that's all there is about text changing effects well i mean that's we'll pretend that's all there is there's also volrath's shapeshifter but we're not gonna go there <laughs> yeah he's weird uh yeah so but the point is they're not well yeah they're not quite as obvious mostly because overload isn't quite as obvious but a lot of the text changing effects a we don't see a lot of them anymore i mean there's overload but we don't see a lot but b they generally say change the text of something there are a couple of things that i want to point out about it that, that might come up on a test and that first of all if i have something like seal of doom on the stack and i change the text on seal of doom from black to green then when seal of doom resolves it will retain that change yeah as a permanent on the battlefield and that's not necessarily intuitive and that's actually not a lot to do with the layers rules it's just how that text changing effect applies mm -hmm. but since we're on the topic i thought no, i think i think that's relevant because we're definitely not gonna have a whole show about text changing effects so you, i'm sure? pretty sure like like all like 12 maybe, maybe judge cast like 800 <laughs> judge cast 800 we are out of ideas <laughs> so up next is type type changing we see we see type changing effects a lot. Every man land, you know, every land that animates itself, it changes its it's changing its type from land into creature. That's still land. Um, so there are plenty of type changing effects from Lorwyn Block. See, this is where I would forgive you for going into Lorwyn Block because the whole thing yes. is tribal, right? Like so, like lots of type changing effects there. Changeling um, being the big one. Yeah, like the fact that that's characteristic defining ability that says something to all creature types. Um, you know, anything with the tribal type could also have that, which is really weird, but. Type changing effects, things like what's a good one? Oh, 
I can't remember the name of it. Mirror Entity. That's the name of that card. Uh, that makes everything, gives everything a power on top of this setting effect and gives them changeling. Mm -hmm. uh, Nameless Inversion, which removes all their creature types. Phantasmal Image says it's an illusion. Uh, that's actually not a type genuine effect. <laughs> that's part of the copy effects. Uh, yeah. That's part of the copy effects. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. Um, so, yeah, all of the lands. Uh, now, something really interesting with type changing effects that people don't often remember is that if something becomes an artifact creature, specifically in the case of artifact creature and only in the case of artifact creature, if something becomes an artifact creature, it retains its other types. So even if it doesn't use the phrase in addition to its other types, if you make something an artifact creature, it still has its other types. Well, let's I mean, so, let's go into that a little further because you you when does something lose its other types? Oh, that's a good yeah. good question. So if I have uh, if I have a forest, right? Or actually, no, I have an Inkmoth Nexus. We were already discussing Inkmoth Nexus. So I have an Inkmoth Nexus, and it becomes actually that's a bad example. <laughs> oh. I have a, uh, a Dryad Arbor, okay? I control a Dryad Arbor, and then I play uh, Blood Moon. Okay, so non-basic lands or mountains. Non-basic lands or mountains. So my Dryad Arbor is going to, instead of being a land creature forest Dryad, it's going to be a land creature mountain Dryad, and this is still a bad example. Um, so CJ, why don't you come up with an example <laughs> that... Of something losing its previous creature types. Uh, no, if you make Dryad Arbor um, a mountain, it's going to lose all its other types. No, it becomes a land creature mountain. Dryad. It, it just loses yeah. the land types. Okay, yeah. so let's okay, let's start there. First off, if something <laughs> if something is a basic land and you make it another basic land, or if something is a land and you make it a basic land type, it loses all of its it, existing abilities. No, it loses all of its abilities, but the and it affects the lands subtypes, but it doesn't mess with the other so if you, if you have like an artifact land yeah okay and you change the land type to something else it's still an yeah, artifact no I'm, I'm not still yeah creature. i'm not arguing that uh, i'm just saying let's let's say that let's, let's just say, say that. that sure let's just say so <laughs> uh additionally if if i make let's let's look at every man land ever they all say uh you know let's let's do ink moth nexus which reads you know one um pay a mana ink moth nexus becomes a one one blink moth artifact creature with flying and infect concealment in a turn Artifact artifact creature is bad because it's, it's it's the exception. Or is that no? I was going to say it also has a line. It's still a land. Doesn't need when it becomes an artifact uh, yeah, creature. Right. It doesn't doesn't need that sentence. But it does if it just becomes a plain old creature. <laughs> it's blah blah blah. Yeah, exception, you're right. Exception, exception. Um, yeah. Uh, what's the ape one? Treetop <laughs> Tree village. village. Okay, so Treetop Village reads, one in a green, Treetop Village becomes a 3-3 green ape creature with trample until end of turn. It's still a land. Why does it have the line, it's still land? And that's because if you're changing its type, you're changing its type here from land to creature. When you change something's type, it overrides the existing types. So in this, in the case of every man land ever, they want them to stay land. So they all have a little line on there that says... You know, even though we're changing the type here, we're still going to continue being a land. And um, so that brings us to that. Yes, the exception. Where, for example, and this actually came up in a number of large events. Uh, if I control an Inkbot Nexus and I activate it, and then I target it with Tezzeret, Ancient of Bolas's ability to make it a 5-5 artifact creature, and that ability does not say uh, that, it, that it retains its previous types, but it does because it's becoming an artifact creature, and there's a rule that says it does. So the question that would come up is, can I still ghost quarter the Inkbot Nexus? And judges would go crazy going, I don't know, is this still a land? Is it not still a land? And the rule was, yes, yes, it is still a land. Okay, perfect. Did we miss anything in text changing, type changing effects? 
type change effects. Let's see. I, I would I would just remind only the I mean like we were talking about Dread Armor, only the the relevant types to the corresponding card types can be replaced. So for example, with Blood Moon and Dryad Arbor, it replaces forest with mountain, but it does not take away Dryad because that's not a land type, it's a creature type. And we're not changing it from a creature. Yeah, and then that's a good point, because there's there's cards that will say, you know, target creature is a goblin versus target creature is a goblin in addition to its other types. Right. right. So if it says it's a goblin, it's gonna lose any of its existing types. But if it says in addition to its other types, it will keep its other types. Right, but if you used that, if you made Dryad Arbor a goblin, it would still be a forest goblin because it won't lose any of its types that aren't related, or some types that aren't related to that, that type. So it'll still remain, retain its land types when you make it a creature type. It'll still retain its creature type when you make it a land type. Yeah, we so basically on. did these examples from most complex to least complex <laughs> instead of least Oops. complex. Yeah. So you remove, you change a super type, you remove all the not super type, you change a type, you remove all the types. You know, you change a subtype, you remove all the subtypes for that type, and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. And if you change a super type, well, you just yeah, you add s- it. You just add it. So if you have a legendary creature and you make it a snow permanent... It's a snow, snow legendary. legendary creature. We've got That's snow legendary That snow legendary creature. Uh... <laughs> So if I have, if I have, that's me. I come back for the plug. If I have Blood Moon out and I make it a Snow Permanent, that's Snow Moon. It's Snow Moon. <laughs> Star Wars joke, guys. Star Wars joke. That's Snow Moon. That's a. <laughs> you yeah. know what? I'm done with type. I think we got it. What are you guys even? I don't even know anymore. Color, color. Okay, so color is, you know, hey, this this becomes white until the end of turn. This becomes blue until the end of turn. This becomes green in addition to its other colors. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We did miss something in type changing effects. Sorry, we missed that adding a basic land type adds the corresponding mana ability. Sure, yeah. So if you make something a mountain, like Inkmoth, if you make, if you spreading season Inkmoth Nexus and you make it an island, it gets the ability to create blue mana. Sorry, no, continue, my bad. All right, yeah, so color, you know, and I think colors color right. easier to visualize how it replaces things than it is types, right? Because if I say target yeah. creature is black, I don't know, you kind of, you know intuitively that means it's not green anymore, it's not white anymore. And if I say it becomes blue in addition to its other colors, you know that it's, you know, blue and black now. And that's that's one where where you look at and you say, with timestamps, so let's say I have a spell that says, you know, a darkest hour, all creatures uh, become black. And I have another uh, permanent that just says, all creatures are blue in addition to their other colors. Okay. If you play, if, if you go in order, and that's the order that they were cast in, my white creature is going to become black, then it's going to get blue in addition to its other colors. So the end result is going to be blue-black, my you know, my uh, my squire. If I reverse the order of those, okay, reverse the timestamp so that it becomes blue in addition to its other colors, it was cast first as the earlier timestamp, and then the darkest hour, this becomes black, or creatures become black. As a later timestamp, my squire is going to become white-blue, and then darkest hour is going to make it black. Okay, so that that is an example of... It's not just last one wins. It's you apply them in order and you you may get something that's that's more than just the last one wins. Okay. And then the other thing I want to mention with color, this is similar to the text changing effects. If I have a spell on the stack, say a green spell, and I make that spell black, 
the uh, say it's a creature. Sorry. So say I have grizzly or bear cubs on the stack. I make that spell black. That will retain that color when it enters the battlefield. So it'll be a black bear cubs. That's not, that's that's more like exceptions to zone changing. Rules. I know, but it's it's color. Well, once again, when are we going to have time to talk about it? Know, someone will write in a questions like like that. That strikes me as something that would be like in next week's when when play when uh, when listeners write in and say like you forgot to talk about this. Yeah, but here's the thing, Brian. I already said it, and I'm yeah. going to edit it out. Well, I know you're not going to. Nor are you going to edit out this argument about how you're not so going to edit it out. So talk meta. about abilities. <laughs> Is there anything else you guys want to say about color? I mean, you know, once again, they're pretty easy to spot because they're setting a color or removing a color. I mean, the, just that they're very different from text changing effects that change color words. These are actually changing the color of the object itself, not any color words on the object. OK, that's it. And and you process characteristic defining abilities first. There are a few. <laughs> and oh. That reminds me. Yeah, we should mention that. There used to be a lot of characteristic defining abilities for color-changing effects. Uh, right. But now there aren't, because in Innistrad, they invented a new thing called the color indicator, and a ton of old cards got errated to have color indicators, like Pact of Negation used to say Pact of Negation is blue, and now it has a color indicator. Dryad Arbor used to say Dryad Arbor is green, and now it has a color indicator, which is a functional change, because now Blood Moon doesn't take away the fact that it's that's green. Did I say Dryad Arbor is blue? I meant green. <laughs> um, so, and... Uh, she's sad. Uh, you know, and one of the, that's why I personally want to see a reprint of Transguild Courier, so I can see what a yeah. five-color color indicator I would like to see like. that. You want to know what a five... You know what it looks like? Have you ever played Trivial Pursuit? <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's going to look like. So, so a, an example of of a color indica uh, of a color characteristic defining ability and there's not many left are is one of them is uh, what is it ghost, ghost, fire. Fire? ghost fire ghost fire ghost fire, ghost fire is, is colorless hey it's but it's got a red mana symbol in its cost so based on the definition of how color works that should be a red spell but instead it's got a characteristic defining ability that says uh-uh i'm colorless another example is alloy golem which says as Alloy Golem enters the battlefield, choose a color, and then Alloy Golem is the chosen color. It's an artifact creature. So it has a characteristic defining ability that makes it blue, makes it green. So if I have an ability, if, if I have Darkest Hour out, it says all creatures are black, and I play Alloy Golem naming green, okay, even though the Alloy Golem has the later timestamp, Okay, it came in later. We apply characteristic defining abilities first, and then we apply uh, the darkest, the other stuff, which would be the darkest hour. Alloy Golem is black, regardless of what color I named. Okay. Yeah. 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 Now, now abilities. abilities. I feel like abilities kind of maybe trip people up the most, and I think we'll talk about that a lot next next episode. But well, I have a few basic yeah. examples that we can use. So, so I mean, uh, ability adding and removing is what this layer is for. Anything that adds an ability or removes an ability exists exists here. And timestamps are often very, very important in this uh, in this particular mm -hmm. layer because uh, some abilities turn on when a certain condition is met, and and those abilities use the the timestamp of the object they're printed on, and not the time the condition was met, and those stuff like that. Like for for example, uh. 
Kite Sail Apprentice from Zedekar uh, says as long as Kite Sail Apprentice is equipped, it gets plus one, plus one, and has okay. flying. Well, what if we equip Mage Bane armor to it that says the equipped creature gets plus two, plus four, and loses flying? What if? So in that situation, the, the timestamp of Kite Sail Apprentice is when Kite Sail Apprentice enters the battlefield, even though that ability doesn't get turned on until it's equipped. So in this case, it, it would lose flying. It would not have it because Mage Bane armor resets its timestamp when it's attached to Kite Sail Apprentice, and it has the more recent timestamp. So I think that pretty much covers the, the normal examples of adding and removing abilities. The only things I want to mention here are things like unblockable and indestructible, which are not abilities and do not apply in this layer. They, in fact, don't apply in the layer system. Right. Which is really awkward. Well, it's not so bad until one day they print a card that says, like, all creatures are blockable. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. Til, til yeah. Then, okay. yeah. No creatures are indestructible. <laughs> what? So, which, uh, which we, we can talk about that glaring spotlight real quick. It's probably worded the way it is to get around having any kind of layers issues, right? Um, so glaring spotlight reads... Uh, if I remember correctly, it's creatures you control, or sorry, creatures your opponents control with hexproof may be the targets of spell or abilities you control as though they didn't exactly. have hexproof. So it could uh, say creatures your opponents control lose hexproof, right? Sure, but it could. That would be functionally it different. It would be. And, well, true. I'm just saying that. Well, that also that also means that if it gained hexproof after this, it would have the later time right, stamp. Right, exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah, that would so be terrible. So they have, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think they kind of print so it like just, this. this is... This is a great example of an ability that doesn't affect objects. It affects game rules. So it's not part of the layer system. Uh, yes, this ability right. has written, yes. Now, now that's this is this actually is a, an interesting, touches a little bit on, there is a, one of the magic golden rules is can't trumps can, okay? If something says you can do something and another thing says you can't do it, well, you can't. One of the things that they actually call out in that rule is... Things that add and remove abilities are specifically exempt from this rule. So it's not like loses flying and gains flying where you go like, oh, well, that it can't fly versus it can fly. So the can't always wins. No, it's you still use the layer system to do that. And this right here, this glaring spotlight is a is an example of of um. Oh, I guess this is an example of not what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make at all. <laughs> Blah, ha, ha. Oh, love doing this stuff on the fly. Everything I said was correct, but not really relevant to this all right, part great. at all. Well, this is the rehearsal yeah. show. We'll just do another one after. Oh, we'll just do another. No. So, okay. So another example, even involving flying, of the abilities and timestamps is Wingcrafter and Grounded. So, like, if I have Wingcrafter and I play Grounded on my Wingcrafter, and which says it loses flying, and Wingcrafter says as long as Wingcrafter is paired with another creature, both creatures have flying and has Soulbond. Um, so, if I play Grounded on my Wingcrafter and then I play another creature and Soulbond my Wingcrafter to it, does my Wingcrafter have flying? No. No, no, it doesn't. Because that's a good one though. Even though it was a triggered ability that that binds them together, that triggered ability has nothing to do with whether or not it has flying it's actually the timestamp on wingcrafter because there's a static ability there that says it gets flying as long as it's paired yeah that's a good one i hadn't actually heard that one but that's good so do we have any so it's kind of tough to to know when something is granting an ability i feel uh i i think the best way and it kind of touches on what you already said jess is that basically if something is gaining or has something yeah, that's the, that's one and of the it's word. not indestructible or unblockable then generally it's gaining an ability an ability is being added 
when they lose abilities, it's easy enough because yeah. it always says loses all abilities or loses flying or something like that. I mean, usually you're going to notice a difference, as you already mentioned, in the wording. Like if, some, if something says your creatures are indestructible, it'll say creatures you control are indestructible. Whereas if your creatures have flying, it'll say creatures you control have flying rather than have indestructible, which is wording you'll never right. see. Um, so like it's one of those things I, I don't I don't know like indestructible used to be really really rare uh, uh, until morning tide when they started printing the word indestructible on commons because somebody thought that was a good <laughs> idea. It's a great idea. You made a morning tide <laughs> reference. That's my set apparently, as we've established from this show. Hey, I, don't get me wrong. I love me some Laurelwood block. It's my favorite set. Just I noticed that more and more judges as we get farther away from that set don't have any idea what I'm talking about when I bring up cards from that set. I don't untap abilities. All right. Untap abilities. Yeah, oh, stupid untap abilities. The Q. Oh my god. Yeah. The untap symbol. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I, I think, I think that's good enough on abilities. Which, which brings us back to power, power and toughness. toughness. So Yay. the first layer of power and toughness is. Oh wait, let me see if I remember. Hold on. Uh, it's uh, you at home. What is it? What is it? Actually, I do want to say something. If you're saying about power and toughness, oh. real quick. Is when I when I was a newer judge in particular, you know, it, it can be a little difficult to memorize the order for power and toughness. But the way I figure, I kind of just had it in my head was so. First off, I knew you always apply characteristic defining abilities first in every layer, so that just applies. And then I basically figured out that if you just do setting first, switching last, and then everything else in the middle, you're you're always going to get the the correct result. That's how. Yeah, like characteristic defining abilities is like. Just reminder text for rules that already exist. Yeah. Like we know characteristic abilities come yeah. first, right? And then you have things that set the power of toughness. That's the beginning. And in between you have... The stuff that adds and subtracts. The, the stuff that adds and subtracts. And you have the counters. Well, those guys really do exactly the same thing. Like exactly. Yeah. It doesn't matter what order you put. You put uh, modifying power and toughness effects without setting and counters. Even if they were in a different order, you could never come up with a different result. So like you just... Yeah, you have setting at the beginning, switching at the end, and everything else in the middle. All right, so one more thing before we get back into the intuitive examples that we started on is um, a, a single effect can apply in multiple layers. And we hit on this a bunch of times, but we never outright set it. So like Brian brought up Wild Mongrel earlier, which has you discard a card and it becomes a color and gets plus one plus one. That's one ability, yet it applies in multiple layers. And you just apply the relevant parts in the layer that it goes in. So right. So when you're applying uh, color, you apply, you apply the color that you chose for Wild Mongrel in the color layer, and then you apply power and toughness in the power and toughness layer. You don't apply color in the power, or you don't apply the, the pump in the color layer just because it's all part of one ability. You, you still just break up the ability into each layer it belongs in. Right, right. With the exception of those awesome copy abilities we talked yes. about earlier. So Quicksilver Gargantuan does not does not believe you uh, when you tell him that <laughs> uh, he does his own thing. Well, are you really going to tell him he's wrong? I mean, he's a 7-7. Seven, yeah, he's, he's pretty big. He is a 7-7 seven, seven, uh, Gargantuan Phyrexian. <laughs> no, not that again. What? <sighs> Illusion. That was great. Nope, nope. Illusionary. Go in there. Artifact. Okay. All right. So let's go back to more more examples that really help show why the layer system is intuitive. And yeah, this okay. next one, I think you're about to say, if it's the next one on the show notes, it was like so intuitive that I couldn't figure out why Brian was even adding it. All right. So let's let's look at uh, Wayfaring Temple and Control Magic. This one's actually kind of funny. So Wayfaring Temple says has power and toughness uh, equal to. Uh, 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 
Uh, the why? number of creatures you control. Yeah, thank you. Wayfaring temples, power, and toughness are each equal to the number of creatures you control. You know, there's another thing called Wayfaring. There's a Wayfaring Giant also, which is not as cool. Okay, so it's power and toughness are each equal to the number of creatures you control. So, I have a Wayfaring Temple. CJ casts control magic on it, okay? And he has, like, three dudes, and I've got, like, five. So, when I control my Wayfaring Temple, it's a 6-6. My five dudes plus the one. He casts control magic, steals it, it becomes a 4-4, okay? But, why is it a 4-4? Well, it's, it's intuitive, because he controls it. So, it's going to use his number, the number of creatures he controls for power and toughness. However, and this is the funny thing, if we make the control layer be processed after power and toughness, you'd get a really weird intuitive result. Because if we checked power and toughness before the control effects, he would control, uh, basically, the, the power and toughness would be set equal to the number of creatures I control, which would be six. And then the control effect would give it to CJ. And so he would control a creature whose power and toughness is equal to the number of creatures I control, which seems really exactly. And, and the point of even saying all this is to show that the layers are in the order they're in for a reason. And it's like we've been hammering over and over again is to give an intuitive result in the end. Right. Except for the ones, for the that, ones don't, that don't. We'll discuss but the, the vast majority do. All right. So like, yeah, sorry. That example is a little complicated. We'll go over it next time. <laughs> So, wait, were there more of these you want to bring up, Brian? Uh, it's been like exactly. an hour and a half. I think people got it. So, uh, yeah. So we we can just okay. Um, another example: mind bend and nightmare. Okay, mind bend says change the text of target permanent by replacing all instances of one color word, uh, with another or one basic land type with another. And then there's a creature called nightmare. It's a classic. It's it's a flying creature, power and toughness equal to the number of swamps you control. I hit I hit nightmare and say I'm going to change its text from swamps to planes. Okay, nightmare now says its power and toughness is equal to the number of planes you control. Well, we apply the text changing before we determine its power and toughness, so it works like you think it would. Its power and toughness is now equal to the number of swamps. You're playing a mono black deck, or, or sorry, its power and toughness is equal to the number of planes. You're playing a mono black deck. You have no planes. Your nightmare, your awesome seven-seven flying creature is now dead. I, I used Fortnite. to love the the turn two double dark ritual nightmare play. A uh, nightmare costs yeah six, double dark dude. ritual. Uh, double dark ritual. Only I said five. turn two. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's a good play though. Six mana two two flying. Uh, but it's all uphill from there. Sure. Hey, let's um. So one last topic about layers. We kind of touched on this here and there, but let, let's let's wrap it all up. How do you tell something is a, I don't know if layer is the right word, is a is a continuous effect? How do you tell something needs to apply within the layers? So are you trying to tell if it's a continuous effect or if it's a continuous effect that applies in the I layers? guess it applies in the layers, actually. Yeah. So if it's a continuous effect that doesn't modify a player or a game rule, it applies in layers. Okay. The way the way I the way I was thinking of it was if it if it modifies one of the things in the layers, but you're right, it, you had you do have to exclude players there. But if it modifies one of the things in the layers, then it's, it's it's a continuous effect that applies in the layers. Right. So anything that that affects 
any continuous effect that affects players uh, or game rules is applied after the rest of the right. layers. So, um, it's not its own layer. Don't think it like that because it's different, but it's applied after the rest of the layers. Yeah, so like Mindslaver says, you know, you control target player during that player's next turn. That does not apply in the layer system. We do not apply that in layer two. It's just... And there's no such thing as layer eight. There, there's not a... Like, I hear that for... Oh, it's like layers eight and nine. No, it's yeah. not... <laughs> um, if you do have a conflict in those kinds of abilities, you just use timestamps, but I'm having a hard time. Like, it's not easy to come up with, with conflicts in those. Uh, two different players might slaver the same guy. Okay. Yeah, that's one. All right, guys. Anything else? Any last notes about layers? No. 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 <laughs> yes? This is... I'll take that as a no. Let's, Let's do, emails. do emails. Mailbag! Mailbag. All right, we got, we got a few emails. Not too many. First off, from Stuart Slough. Oh, hold on. Before before we hit mail, I don't jump back. To add to mailbag, if there's any specific things regarding layers that you want to make sure that we cover in the next topic or in the next podcast, send us an email to judgecast at gmail.com and we will try and work it in because, you know, then it'll help us be not quite so, I'll say rambly this time. We were... <laughs> bit over the place no, we're fine. This, but that's fine that's fine it's part of the the we'll say the je ne sais yeah, the quoi, je ne sais quoi. <laughs> that you love that you love about our podcast and why you listen to us it's like hey these guys are judges they know what they're talking about ramble ramble <laughs> ramble all right all right once again Stuart Slough he says even though I'm a player with no real interest in becoming a judge I have oh, geez, cut this done. question uh, I have enjoyed listening to your podcast keep up the good work thanks oh okay well yeah thanks, sure hey good. thanks I have heard you talk about linked abilities with clones so I have cryptoplasm let me read cryptoplasm at the beginning of your upkeep, you may have Cryptoplasm become a copy of another target creature. If you do, Cryptoplasm gains this ability. So he says that he has Cryptoplasm, and he, and he copies Back Alley Broker. Or I don't, is it Back Alley Broker? I thought it was Bane Alley Broker. Yeah, anyway, Bane he copies Broker. Bane Alley Broker, which lets him tap and exile a card from his hand. Back Alley Broker is a whole different... <laughs> it's a different set of services. If you know what I mean. Uh, yes. Type of abilities all together. He says, if I exile a card with this ability, turn it into some other creature on the following turn, talking about the cryptoplasm here, and then turn it back into that same Bane Alley Broker, would he be able to retrieve cards that he exiled the first time when it was originally a Bane Alley Broker? Right. So, so the answer here, I guess, is basically how it turns back into a Bane Alley Broker. Right. Okay. Like, if it ceases, if... If it's a Bane Alley Broker and then a copy, it's it's it becomes a copy of Bane Alley Broker, and then it gets like another copy effect leveled on top of it temporarily, and that effect expires. Right. Okay. Then it goes back to being the original Bane Alley Broker. But if it's a whole separate copy effect, which the Cryptoplasm at the beginning of your upkeep, it becomes a copy of another creature. It becomes a copy, and that keeps overlaying and overlaying and overlaying. It is a different Bane Alley Broker, or it is a different copy now that that ability, even though it's got the same text on it, is not linked to its previous incarnation of its Back Alley Broker. Yeah, I, I had a hard time. It took me a little bit of time to wrap my head around it, but it, yeah, it's a totally different copy, and it, it's a brand new uh, effect in the layers, in the copy layer, and 
you are not going to be getting back those cards that you exiled earlier. So Stuart also mentions that last podcast, uh, he says, it sounded like you said that if you give yourself protection from red in response to Skullcrack targeting you, it doesn't do any good. It will stop the damage because even though Skullcrack says damage can't be prevented, it is still a red spell with a single target that was just made illegal and is therefore counter on resolution. So this is a little bit of a mistake I made. That show was starting to go a little long, and I summarized a guy's email. Now, what he was basically asking was, if I scroll, skull crack a player, okay, so they take three damage and damage can't be prevented this turn. Uh, after that resolves, that player gives himself protection from red. Then later, he attacks that guy with a red creature. He was asking, will that do damage, right? And the answer is yes, because damage can't be prevented anymore. So the protection from red is no longer going to prevent the red damage, so we're good to go. I kind of summarized it quickly and just merged the creature from the da- the damage from the creature and the damage from Skullcrack into one. And then I think all of us, having read the original question, just thought I said that, but I didn't. Or maybe we maybe weren't paying attention to what you're saying. And maybe... So yeah, that that was my mistake there. But absolutely, if you give yourself protection from red in response to Skullcrack, Skullcrack will be countered, and we won't have any kind of prevention effect or the uh, the whatever whatever the the whatever, players whatever. can't gain life effect. So the next question, we're not going to go too deep into, but it, it was from Colin Moriarty, and it was beautifully written out and reasoned, and it's really long, and it has to go. <laughs> it was beautifully written yeah, long. I mean, he's long, got lots of long. examples. It's really fantastic, Evo. You guys should really see it, but we're not going to read it. So <laughs> it's a thing of it's a thing yeah. of beauty. We'll get we'll get Sir Patrick Stewart to read it in a future episode. <laughs> Nice. Uh, The thing about it is one day it's basically about loops and and slow play. And one day we're certainly going to have an episode over it and we're going to need a whole episode to cover this. So I just want to thank Colin for emailing us. But there's it's kind of fitting that his last name is Moriarty. Moriarty. I don't think that's his real last name. That's a reference to Fallout 3. Colin Moriarty. His character named Colin Moriarty. Now, if that actually is your real last name, I'm sorry. But what? why is it sorry? That's an awesome yeah. last name. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm sorry that I'm assuming it's not. Maybe the character oh, was named I after him. That's that everyone calls me Moriarty if that was my last name. <laughs> yeah. And Professor. All right. <laughs> yes, Professor Moriarty. The next email comes from Chris Tunwell. Uh, he says, thanks for the awesome show. For the first bit, I find it really useful as a rules guy in my gaming group. I have a couple of questions to ask. Everybody loves our show, which is weird, right? First up. Well, I would think that the email comes in and it's like, hey, guys, hate your show. Can't stand the sound of voices. I was dissecting you, everything you said, and I have a problem with one point you made. Blah, blah, blah. Skull crack protection from red. All right. Okay. okay. Uh, first, I'm wondering what resource you use to study for the judge test. As I keep, he says he keeps me a couple questions short of passing the rules advisor test. So basically, he's looking for help with um, with resources. You guys have any quick suggestions you want to make? When I studied, I actually used I'm gonna I'm gonna say cranial insertion. Mm-hmm. I use it a lot too. It's it's a website that's done by uh, Eli Schifrin, James Bennett, some other guys, where every week they have 10 to 15 questions written in by listeners, and they give really well-written answers and explain the rules. So that's kind of a good way to get a nice, big overview. They cover new cards, new mechanics. Forums are super useful. Uh, just playing a lot, playing limited also helps with some rules, you know, rule interactions, just, you know. Okay, IRC. so I've got, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Brian. I was thinking and then I was like, hey, I'm going to say something now and I didn't. <laughs> it's okay, anyway. man. Um, so. We're all friends. 
You know, it's funny. Uh, I, I, as a side story there, I met somebody at GP San Diego that, uh, that I was talking about a situation, our, our thespian stage and Cavern of Souls situation from a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And he asked, he accused me of stealing that from our show, first of all. He accused us of stealing that from no, no, our show? because he didn't know who I was, right? So he was just like, you stole that ah. from JudgeCast. Oh, um, you jerk. And uh, so then I, I was like, well, yeah, I'm actually on JudgeCast. He asked who I was. I'm like, I'm the guy that interrupts everybody else. Uh, anyway, so. <laughs> well, I don't I know if I agree that you interrupt. <laughs> okay, go, go ahead. No, it's definitely <laughs> it's me. A joke. It was an interrupting <laughs> joke. Interrupting. Um, so I, when not. I started the L1 test, I went to, uh, I actually didn't have, didn't know where I could get any of these resources, mm-hmm. right? So I was like, um, I want to make sure I know exactly what I'm talking about. And I went, went a bit overboard and I went to the sections of the comprehensive rules where they did the steps of casting a spell. And I made a flashcard for every step. And then I went to the steps on layer or to the layers and I made a flashcard for every layer. And then I went to, at the time you had to know the IPG. So I went into the MP, IPG and I made a flashcard for every infraction and penalty. And that's how I study. I, I just made flashcards or everything I thought might be on the on the test and I did very well with it. The only thing I missed were uh, some questions on two-headed giant, which I didn't realize would be on the test. And uh, so if you are the kind of person that does very well with that kind of study, that's what I would do. Just make a flashcard that's like, you know, layer one is, you know, the other side says copy uh, and stuff like that. Like, just actually memorize it if you are that kind of person. And, and so the one thing I wanted to add is we had a whole episode on resources to help you improve as a judge. Brian, yes, yeah, it was episode number 37. It's called Unlimited Resources. Uh, I wouldn't recommend listening to the whole thing because I think half of it, we talk about the new lapsing abilities policy. So yeah, ignore that, that part. Yeah. You can just lapse right over that. <laughs> you know what? We should probably start putting a disclaimer at the beginning of our of our episode that like is just a pre-recorded thing that says any policy discussion may be out of date. Well, any rules discussion might be out of date, too. That's true. Mostly so, policy. So this is the disclaimer. If this podcast is old, yeah. you're listening for entertainment value <laughs> only. Because we might be wrong now. <sighs> The layers go backwards. Whoa, 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 whoa. We now start with power and toughness switching at the beginning and work our way backwards. Oh, my God. That's so <laughs> terrible. Power and toughness switching happens before. If, if we give copies last, then anytime we make a copy of something, everything else just goes yeah. out the window. Left, left the most right, secret. cats and dogs living together, masses. Yeah, I, I clone your guy, and then you, and then I giant grow with my clone. It does nothing; <laughs> it makes no change. <laughs> That's fun. All right. So, uh, Chris had a, a rules question too. He's, oh, he said Andy questions. drew his card for the turn. It was a three-player game, so he says Andy drew his card for the turn and played a land. At which point, Nathan flashes in a miss mind click, trying to tap all of Andy's cards. Uh, I think lands. Uh, Chris says he was the third player. And so he was more observing it. In response to the misbind click coming into play, Andy tries to tap all of his lands in response. Uh, he said now that the call he made was that tapping the lands was an activated ability. So he said that he could do that and he could just have the mana floating in the pool, but the mana would be lost when he moves to the next. Uh, he says phase. It actually should be step. And he just wanted to know if that was the right call, which it was. That is the right call. I just want to point out that, uh, yes, it is an activated abilities, but activated abilities that produce mana and don't have a target don't use the stack. So they could not themselves be responded to because they are mana abilities. Correct. Up next, from Eric. I give when people emails from their work address. Yeah, this one's got like all sorts of little icons and stuff at yeah. the bottom. 
LinkedIn and Tumblr and YouTube and this little brown thing I'm going to click. I don't know what that what is. Does. Blocks? It goes to NN. Oh, uh, that's his company. I don't know. Ah, porn, porn, I, porn. No, it's Stop. not. I'm, ki- I'm kidding. That's the guy's company. Okay, all right. He works for a no, porn. No, come on. No. <laughs> well, let's, let's, not. let's not do this. It's called NN, right? Wait. I don't want to get a lawsuit or something. I don't know. All right. He emails. Uh, he says, thanks for the show. He says their FNM doesn't have a, a judge, but it's composed of mostly PTQ grinder type players. So they say they don't usually have a, a problem knowing a ruling, but they did this past Friday. So Eric had Curse of Echoes in play, which is um, basically Curse of Echoes. It, whenever the enchanted player uh, plays a spell, then every other player gets yeah, top an instant or sorcery spell. Yeah, so same. the opponent miracles into a temporal mastery, which is, you know, take an extra turn after this one. Uh, he wanted to know yeah. how are the turns going to work out there? So, I mean, we know we know the way um, the triggers work is it's going to be the opponent's temporal mastery on the bottom of the stack and then his temporal mastery on the top of the stack. So where do we go from there? Wait. So this is really interesting because extra turns, I'm not sure this is intuitive. Uh, when you have multiple extra turn effects that are that happen during the same turn for different players, you take those turns in reverse order from the order they resolve. I, I think it's intuitive if you kind of describe it a different way, though, right? W- which is that every time something resolves and adds a turn, it just adds it after the current turn you're on right now. Right. So if I, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take an extra turn. So I get the next turn, and then you have an effect that gives you an extra turn, and it resolves. Well, no, no, no. You get the next right. one, and then I get that my extra one is the one after that. Right. So the example that that we've described here, the the player who controls Curse of Echoes, well, most likely controls Curse of Echoes. His his is going to take temporal master resolves first, and then the player who's enchanted by Curse of Echoes, his temporal master right. resolves. And since his was the last one to resolve, he will take the first extra turn. Correct. And then the next player, after he takes the first extra turn, the next player will take their extra turn. And then turn order will continue from wherever it was supposed to be after player A's original turn. So basically the turns will be uh, Temporal Mastery Guy will finish his current turn. Temporal Mastery Guy takes his extra turn. Curse of Echoes Guy takes his extra turn. Curse of Echoes Guy takes his normal turn. Well, assuming he's next in turn order. Remember, this is a three-player game. Not this one. This is FNM. No, this is... Oh, this was the FNM. I'm sorry, the last one was yeah, the yeah, Okay, yep. yeah. Okay, yep. there, there we, we go. go. All right, so you guys can take a um, a breather during this one. Oh, from... wow. I'm glad I didn't see this one. This one's... This is from... <laughs> yeah, I'm tapping. I'm just tapping out just she- on no, sheer No, yeah, yeah, but it's fine. All right, so this one's from Andrew Hartsell. He's the one who sent us the hive mind question, so fun. But this one's fine. Didn't you say that we were gonna nix any any uh, any references to hive mind? Well, not nix the guy who sent the original reference to. <laughs> I I think we should nix the guy. All right, he says. Uh, so here's something that came up this evening in a game, and I can't help but think that either I am mistaken on how the game works, or I stumbled onto something busted and ultimately unfun. Uh, he says it was a three-player game, but he believes it would work the same in a standard two-player game. So one player had Teferi's Puzzle Box in play. Uh, What it basically does is at the beginning of each player's draw step, that player puts the cards in his or her hand on the bottom of his or her library in any order, then draws that many cards, okay? He also, or one player has that out, and and then he, Andrew, has Marilyn of the Morn Song in play. She reads that players can't draw cards, and also at the beginning of each player's draw step, so once again the draw step, that player loses three life, searches his or her library for a card, puts it into his or her hand, then shuffles his or her library. 
All right. So with that situation in play, he says, it seems to me that the end result of this combination is that the controller of Maryland, so Andrew in this situation, gets to tutor for a card every turn, uh, you know, at the cost of three life, while his opponents will lose three life and discard their entire hand. He asks, is this correct? And then he goes on and spells out his reasoning, and his reasoning is 100% correct in every way, shape, and form, and that's why you guys can just sit this one out. I will read two of his reasonings. So he says, uh, the turn starts at the beginning of the draw step, two things will trigger in app-nap order. That's active player, non-active player, so in turn order, truthfully. Uh, he says the puzzle box in Maryland. So if it's player A's turn, so player A is, um, he doesn't have the puzzle box and he doesn't have Maryland. He's totally unrelated to all this. Uh, the puzzle box trigger will go on the stack first, followed by the Maryland trigger. So he's going to lose three life, tutor for a card. Then he's going to put his whole hand on the bottom of his library and he can't draw any cards because Maryland won't let him draw any cards, right? Player B's turn, He's the, this is the guy that has Puzzle Box, exact same thing happens. Because once again, the triggers go on the stack in the exact same order. So Maryland goes on the stack first, Puzzle Box goes on the stack, or I'm sorry, Puzzle Box goes on the stack first, Maryland goes on the stack next, Maryland resolves first, Puzzle Box, box then resolves. Then, on the Maryland controller's turn, he gets to do it in the reverse order, because he's the active player. So his trigger goes on the stack first to, to tutor, then Puzzle Box goes on top of that. He gets to uh, put his whole hand on the bottom of his library. He doesn't get to draw any cards because Maryland's still stopping him. But he does get to lose three life and tutor for a card. So his opponents have no cards in hand. He has one cards in hand. He wanted to know if that works, but he spelled it out entirely, and he's 100% right. And good job, Andrew. Yeah. Thumbs, thumbs up. up. I don't know what else. I don't thumbs know what else to say that. All right. Final email comes from Jeff. He's from Bucks County, PA, which I believe is Pennsylvania. So, so this, so this thing that his emails about happened. A variation of it happened about four times at the 5K this really? weekend here in Orlando. Yeah. So this is apparently uh, super uh, uh, relevant. So Jeff, pay attention, guys. Off, Wake up. <laughs> he starts off just talking about his history. But basically, like many players, he's he's a player who used to play a long time ago, stopped playing, and then came back uh, to the game. So he says, the other day in a game, I had a Boris Reckoner out. Boris Reckoner is that that big boy, a three three. That whenever Boris Reckoner is dealt damage, it deals that much. It's a, it's a that what? big boy. <laughs> it deals that much damage to target creature or player. He's a three three for three. That's a big boy. In play, and my opponent had a Jorolf's Messenger. Jorolf's Messenger, when it enters the battlefield, target opponent loses two life, and it has Undying. So right now, it has no counters on it. All right, so it's Jorolf's Messenger's uh, player's turn, and he attacks Jeff. Jeff blocks with the Reckoner and did not give it first strike. So his question is, when the Messenger dies and the Reckoner's ability triggers, does Undying happen in such a way where he could kill the now undead Jorolf's Messenger with the Reckoner trigger? Okay, so let's let's look at what happens. So the Reckoner and Jorolf's Messenger, uh, they both take damage, okay? So the Reckoner's trigger kind of is in this holding area. Its trigger event happened. The Reckoner took damage. So its trigger kind of sits over here to the side. Uh, the Jarl's Messenger took damage. Now, the first thing we do is we look at state-based actions now, and we see we have two creatures with lethal with lethal damage on them, okay? The, the Messenger and the Reckoner. So state-based actions happen. Both of them are put in the graveyard. Now, okay, we, we had a trigger happen. Actually, we check state-based actions again. You know, nothing's there. Everything's taken care of. Now we have an, the, the Jarl's Messenger trigger event happen. So it's also over to the side. 
side. Okay, but now we can put them on the stack because a player is about to ready to see receive priority. So we put them on the stack in active player, non-active player order. So the active player is the Geralt's messenger guy. So his undying trigger is put on the stack first. The Reckoner's trigger is then put on the stack. When the Reckoner's trigger is put on the stack, you have to choose a target for the trigger. So uh, you can't, there is no messenger at that point in time to target. So you're saying you can't shoot the messenger? Uh, I am seeing, saying that you cannot shoot the messenger. Not that long ago. Hey, I just came up with it. So you cannot shoot the messenger. <laughs> All right, great. One last question. Jess, I'm going to throw this one to you. He says he has a question that didn't happen in a game, but it's just a basic rules question. He wants to know how a creature with trample and double strike interacts. So say you have a 4-4 with double strike and trample, and it's being blocked by a 2-2. Two -two. Very favorably, yes. <laughs> if you are the guy who has the creature with trample and double strike. Uh, so you have 4-4 with trample and double strike, and it is blocked by a 2-2 two -two creature. Two of the first strike damage will be assigned to the creature, and you may assign the rest of the first strike damage to the player. Uh, and then after that damage is applied to the first strike combat damage step, you must assign all of the damage from regular combat damage to the player because the blocking creature is already in the graveyard and there are no more blocking creatures. Yes. What, what would happen if, if the creature didn't have trample? They would just not deal damage uh, in the regular combat damage step because it's uh, it didn't have trample. So it would deal all four damage to the first for the creature in the first strike combat damage step. Then the creature would die. And then in the, in the regular combat damage step, it deals no damage. Uh, this is very, very relevant if the creature has lifelink. Oh, yeah. Uh, because because it, it doesn't get to deal that second damage. It's not that it's dealing and then going nowhere. It just doesn't get to deal it, so you won't give me any life. All right. Well, great. That's our last email. So if you out there want to email us, um, in particular about layers, any layers questions, any layers topics you want to see on the next episode when we do the advanced layers. But also, if you want to email us about anything at all, you can email us at judgecast.gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast, and you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. We also have our website, MTG Judgecast, where you can find our websites if you um, find our websites, if you, you find our podcasts. If you're not already listening through there, we do post a little faster than MTG Cast and at a higher quality. So if you know, if you want to, whatever, no pressure. <laughs> uh, you guys have anything else you want to add? Layers. Layers. No. <laughs> No. Not adding anything to layers. Okay. Okay. Hey. Uh, I guess that might be all there is, so there is no cow level. <laughs> Brian, don't hate the layer, hate the game. Um, oh, you took I mine. I was going to work that into the I was going to work that into the closing, uh, and you stole uh, it. You stole it. Now i got to think of something. Uh -oh. What's in now, then, Jess? Oh, oh no. It's crap. All right. I see the trader. I it's panic, panic. Uh, I'm Jess Ducks. I keep fun. I'm running for a little bit, and I got, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna be in the bathroom. Go to the bathroom real quick. Uh, while you're doing that, I'm gonna grab some all right. water. All We're all disappearing. Back. Brian, all just talking anyway. My show, my show. Waha. You're still recording, right? Well then, since you're recording, I'm going to say stuff. I I hereby declare CJ and Jess uh, no longer hosts of this show. I'm taking control. Now, uh, and I'm changing the format. We're no longer going to be discussing judge stuff. We're going to be discussing StarCraft. All right. So because that's really and by discussing StarCraft, I really mean that I'm just going to play StarCraft. And you guys can listen to me swear at the computer while I'm sending wave after wave of ergs at my unexpected opponents.
Are you still talking? Wait. No, you're off the show. I voted. We had a council vote while you were gone, and we decided that we're changing the format of the show entirely. What, to two hosts? To no, to just oh. me. <laughs> but, you, but you kept right? saying we. <laughs> well, we were the swarm. Okay, all right. We're also changing the, the, the focus of the show to just talking about me playing StarCraft. I don't care. I just care. The best way to do a Zerg rush is I don't know. Why are we discussing Zerg rushes? Because it's now my show. It's now Zergcast. Zergcast. Zergcast with your host, Brian Perlin.